0: Welcome to Better Roads, a podcast with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Everyone has a story to their journey, and God loves to participate in those stories. Join Randall as he explores another Better Roads adventure.
1: It's a joy today to have as our guests on this edition of Better Roads, Mike and Dara Razavan, good friends, and and we're going to talk today about how God called them and uh, the, the unique experience they had in becoming citizens a part of this, as a part of this nation. And Mike and Dara, it's just a joy to have you with us today. Thank it's you. It's good
0: to be here. Thank you, President Randall.
1: It's an honor. It's an honor to be here. Well, the honor is mine because you have such a great testimony. We're going to get into that today because you are American citizens born in Southeast Asia, and then you moved here as refugee children, and now you have returned as missionaries to Southeast Asia. That's just a, a great story. And the things that I know about you, you're college graduates from the U.S., you're, you were successfully employed. You planted what is now known as Life Song Church in Des Moines. Your two kids are raised. You're now grandparents. Guys, you, you, have, you have many reasons just to remain here in Des Moines. And I know it's a city that you love. So talk to us about how did God call you, or maybe I should say convince you, to become missionaries? and Where specifically? And what is it that you're doing there?
2: Well, for me, uh, I think that I probably had a better sense of God's calling on her life. For me, it took, took no. me a while. You're disagreeing, Mike. So <laughs> yeah, took,
0: we, can, took me a we while. can agree to disagree, yes. yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, when I thought for myself when we first planned the Asian church and now it's life song church, I thought that was it. You know, I thought that's what I'm supposed to do. But during our My first trip back to Vietnam, back to 2001, and then come back. And then there I had a chance to go uh, 2002 and came back on a separate trip. And uh, we took our children to Laos back in 2005 to do a survey and uh, came back. You know, I, haven't, I still have not had a sense of being a missionary then. But when I came back home, I thought I should prepare our congregation. Maybe one or two members from our church would be a missionary. So 2007, I took uh, five men from our church with us. And I prayfully, one of them will become missionary when they came back. So we went to Laos and Cambodia, and the, to make a long short, uh, story short, uh, we ended up playing a ministry base in Cambodia now, which is Lifesong Learning yes. Center.
1: which is and, exciting in itself.
2: Yes, and Burly and Sister uh, are doing great job there. And I thought that was it for me, you know. But, and then Dara came in. I let her, I let, I let her fill the blank
0: oh well for me it's just that um uh, after we came to america i i we left laos when i was 12 years old my mom always tells me about her homeland in vietnam in north vietnam and how beautiful it is and all of that um so when we flee laos to to uh, the refugee camps in thailand and came to america as the children of the immigrants to this country my mom you know Always tells me stories of her homeland and everything. Um, when the country opens up after so many years of the uh, occup- being occupied by the the, um, the current government, um, we were able to go back. Um, Mike went in two thousand one. I went in two thousand two. Uh, it's just that when we I went back to Vietnam, um, it just feels like there's something there that that um, that has not been. Um, finished yet there's mm-hmm. something there that mm-hmm. we must go back and it's just that every yeah not complete every time we go back it's just that a piece of our heart just left there and and we would come back and talk and think through it um and then through the years after we going to be retired or uh finish our course with the Life song open bible church um god just uh, gave us another calling and not uh, local, but this time uh, go to pretty much on the other side of the world, back to uh, where our roots came from, and to bring the good news of Jesus um, and the bring the lights to the area where still darkness, still rain. So um, that's where it began.
1: And so <clears throat> you, your origins are Laotian. Uh, your ministry is, I know, is broader than just Laos, uh, Southeast Asia. Tell us where you specifically are ministering.
0: We are currently in Thailand. Actually, our ancestors are from Vietnam, and they were refugees after World War II to Laos. We were born in Laos, but yet uh, we were like children of people with no country. Um, right now, we are ministering in Thailand, where it's more centralized. The country, The country is free, has freedom there. Uh, We just felt that uh, being there gives us the opportunity to minister to the neighboring countries, Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, uh, and Myanmar. So um, Thailand is where God had set uh, our our, our base at.
1: So it's a strategic location that you have, obviously, then as a springboard to all of Southeast Asia. So the reason why we're talking with you today, it's very timely for a couple of reasons. One is, uh, well, you're going to be going back to Thailand, I know, very soon. But another reason is that um, what's been taking place on the news after the uh, just heartbreaking collapse of Afghanistan and its takeover by the Taliban, there have been over 100,000 people that have been evacuated from there. And we know that there are thousands more of Afghans, some of them American citizens of Afghan heritage, and then other people fearful of the Taliban who, if they have opportunity, they will flee as refugees. And we know a refugee means coming with little more than, uh, possessions, little more than what you have on your backs uh, at that point, and not knowing where they'll end up. That's what it's like to be a refugee. Your family, well, they're like double refugees. You said they were, they were uh, kind of homeless from Vietnam, went to Laos, and then, of course, your family fled from Southeast Asia when the communists seized control and, and left everything behind. Tell us a little bit. How old were you two, and and what were one or two of your most vivid memories about fleeing to the United States? That had to have been a A frightening and harrowing experience, I would think. For me,
2: I remember still uh, very clearly, I was about 14 years old. Uh, This is 45 years ago. Uh, One day I I came back home from school and I found my dad was waiting at home, which is very unusual because he uh, normally wouldn't be home at that time yet. So I asked him why he came home so early. And my dad was from his expression, his facial expression i i know something not right, mm. and I asked him well uh, why why you came home so early?" And he said, "Well, we need to leave. we, we gotta go now." and I said, go where and uh, he was kind of hesitant to tell us tell tell us the whole situation, and he just said we we have to leave." To go out, leave the, the city, to go to the countryside, just for a few days. He just said, and we have to, we got to go now. And they said, I can't change my uni- school uniform, you know, because uh, I just put something else on. He said, No, we, we got to go now. Mm. And so I said, Okay, we'll we'll go. Uh, so my dad has a, an old jeep, so we got on his chip jeep, jeep and drove. Uh, to a countryside where his friend lives, and uh, stayed there for about a week. And I start to know a little bit. My dad started to open and said, you know, uh, Lao's communist is taking over Lao country soon. And I didn't know how he found out, but I know because of his experience from Vietnam, he, he knew because uh, he's one of the person in the blacklist, you can call a blacklist, so he he's knows been through this before. He's then. been through it before if he if he didn't uh, move or if he if he didn't flee, he would be caught or be killed. So I start to understand uh, that. So I just we my brother and sister were just like, okay, we'll do whatever out there tourists. And uh, during the time we were in the countryside, uh, my dad and he's one of the leader, our leader planned a uh, route of escape, how to escape Laos to uh, uh, crossing the Mekong River. And at late at night, we were just uh, went on the boat, a very small boat, uh, a motor boat. Uh, it's like a canoe size. I mean, this is so small and we have to split into two or three small boats to, to cross the Mekong River uh, from Laos to Thailand. And you know, me for me, I never been on on the boat. Uh, I couldn't swim. Oh, this is you know, your was, first time of ever being on a boat. first time get on the boat, yes. And oh. uh, I couldn't swim, you know, and I'm terrified. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and our boat has uh, it's leak, it's leaking. So <laughs> yeah. as we cross the Mekong River, I have to help weigh the water out, you know, so that the boat won't sink. <laughs> and uh, So but knowing that I'm with my mom, my dad, my family is I felt kind of safe in a sense.
1: How many many of you all together on that boat? Uh, My
2: parents and five of my siblings. So seven together, seven plus plus the the, Mm -hmm. those that took us there two people Mm -hmm. uh, that owned the boat. And uh, that's a small boat and uh, we crossed the Mekong River and we didn't know it was late at night and we we didn't know if the gunfire going to come from anywhere else you know uh, to shoot at us but thank god well uh yeah we thankfully we crossed the mekong river and but then you will enter thailand without permission too so but it's kind of like uncertainty so that's a that's part of, of the scary part that that i i remember get on and beyond the the boat that could could Sing anytime.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, so <clears throat> Dara, you and your family had a different story, I assume.
0: Yes. Uh, me and my family had a little different story. Probably a lot more different. Our family in 1975, uh, we, my dad, my parents uh, decided to stay because of uh, certain uh, reasons. They don't want to leave, and you know, probably mainly because they already made a home in Laos and have everything going there. And there wasn't actually a war in Laos. Uh, there were war in Vietnam and Northern Laos. So they haven't had any gunshot. And uh, uh, the current government just come in to to Laos and just to sort of agree to merge the North and the South. So my family didn't leave, and uh, but my brother was, uh, was uh, arrested in 1975, and that was the one of the reasons we didn't uh, leave, because he was involved with the protest. So my parents decided to stay until uh, 1975. My dad didn't want to stay any longer, so our family split in half, and my mom said he she would wait for my brother. But he never came, and then they went to the shaman. Uh, the fortune teller said he's already dead, so we Mm. Uh, then, in the middle of mm. the night, um, escaped Laos, and again, we didn't bring anything, just whatever we are wearing. That was basically yes. it. 1980s, and- isn't it?
2: 1979. And
0: in the middle of um, the river, before we uh, go into the river, it was like that night was uh, like a full moon. It's like daylight, so it was not a good night to escape. Um, mm-hmm. Somehow, though, I felt a push. Uh, I was at the the river bank. felt a push, pushed me over, and then and then everybody had to run because I fell off uh, to the the sand area. So everybody ran to where the boat was. And they buried the boat under the sand. We got in the boat, and by the time we got to the river, uh, they, the the um, the soldier that was uh, guarding the the border was shooting at us. Like oh, you were rain. shot at. <clears throat> yeah, coming now. Hmm. My family got on the boat first, and then we left uh, the the riverbank and got it to the middle, and we saw people fell on the ground. We don't know what happened. I'm pretty sure there were some people who died, and we didn't even see them We crossed. And there were some soldiers who came and take the people who were standing on the other side, we got to the to the Thai side. My mom was totally frozen, and I was only twelve years old. So I don't know where where the strength came from. All I know is God gave that to me, and I lift my mom. She was like forty years old, and I was only twelve. I carry her up the bank of the river. And I just realized that we just passed through death. We made it to the other side. Wow. And my family made it, but the other families didn't. So it's kind of um, gave me a chill every time I thought about that night.
1: Mm -hmm. Very emotional Mm -hmm. to look back and reflect upon those Mm -hmm. days and what could have been death for you and was death for others. So God had his hand on you. And uh, so tell us just briefly, what was it like for these two kids to arrive in the United States?
0: Um, when I first came, we were sponsored by a, um, a Christian Reformed Church in Sioux Center, Iowa. And it it just seems like we, it's like a dream just coming, stay in the camp and then get on the plane and came to America. It, it wasn't, it doesn't seem real at all. So we got off the plane, they have housings ready for us. For me, uh, I was almost, I was 13 years old. And then uh, all of my older brothers and sisters had their own families. And I have three younger siblings, which I became the oldest at 13 years old. And I knew a little bit of English, so I was like the head of the household <laughs> and <laughs> taking care of my parents and my three siblings. Mm-hmm. And that was my responsibility to translate, to go to the store, to go to the offices, to the doctor, translate for my family and also start a school seventh grade.
1: You you, uh, you took you had to take charge early on then. And and Mike, what was it like when you first got to the U.S.? For for our family, we came in the
2: fall of 1975. We landed in Creston, Iowa, just south of Des Moines. And a a lady worked for the the state. She sponsored us. Our sponsor didn't realize there were seven of us. Uh, Maybe she knew when she accepted sponsorship, but then she... Uh, she lived in a mobile home with her daughter. She's a single mom. And seven of us can't fit in the mobile home. Uh, so, so she kindly got us a uh, a room upstairs of a couple, a retirement couple that uh, let us stay up upstairs of the, of the house. And it was cold, it was cold, November. And we experienced the first snow flake.
1: Uh, You've never seen that
2: before. We never seen that. We saw white stuff falling down my brother and my sister. We ran out uh, (laughs) to try to catch the snow for the first time. You know, that's, uh, you know, kids being kids. And we remember that. And, but, but but then because uh, my mom started to miss her friends and relatives, most of them moved to Des Moines. And we didn't know where Des Moines was at that time. We thought maybe a world apart. And uh, so, by communicating with people, and my my dad asked our sponsor to move us to Des Moines because uh, there's no room for us at, at in Creston. So our sponsor uh, rented an apartment in Des Moines for us near the uh, school where. I began to uh, to attend my ninth grade because I was 14. So they put me in ninth grade right away. And there was a challenge. because I didn't know any English at
1: that time. So you had to learn everything from scratch, didn't you? Yes. So, yes. so <clears throat> here you are, two kids here. Daria has a little bit of a head start in that she knows some of English. Mike, you're having to learn totally about English and learn about snow and everything else that comes with adjusting to a different culture and nation. So these two kids became young man and young woman. Somewhere along the line, you began to see each other other in a different light as not just two kids. Yeah. Uh and you became married. Was it just that simple? Did just the music start playing for you or <laughs> not How simple for me. For uh, you it was God, simple.
2: God God made it simple, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think uh our life began uh at first church. Well, according to Dara, uh maybe I'll have her tell her version of it because well, I didn't I
0: yeah, I, it was simple because I got saved at the Christian Reformed Church and uh, we visited it Des Moines and of course on a Sunday everybody goes to church because we want to please the church and our sponsors, right? <laughs> so when we went to first church, um, I Mike was helping uh Miss Ethel uh, translating. He was Ethel a young Brunhaver. Man. yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was only 14 15, I think. So and that was I first church of
1: the Open Bible in Des Moines. Yes. Yeah.
0: Uh, I think he was twenty, or something like that. And and God told me that he's going to be my husband. And well, I told him. Here's this <laughs> where it comes. To God told you. Yeah. Okay. I'm
1: going to have to learn when God told Mike. Then. Yeah. Yes. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. So because because I thought he was a Christian, and I I wanted you know, my life life partner to be a Christian. And I yes. thought, well, if he's translating the Bible study, he must be a Christian. So I said, I just, I just claim it, <laughs> claim him.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: and it worked. So Mike, were you a Christian
2: then? Uh, well, if, if you call that a Christian, I guess I... I well, how because, did you become a Christian? Yeah, I came, I, I got baptized uh, 1980. 82, uh, 80, 1980, at first church, uh, but I didn't, yeah, Dara, I didn't, I mean, Dara was like five years younger than me, so, you know, uh, I didn't have any thought, and uh, anyway, She was I, just this
1: young thing, yes. Yeah, she was got.
2: just little kids coming to Sunday school <laughs> class, and uh, <laughs> that's all I knew, <laughs> and, uh, and, but then. Uh, things start to turn around when she turns 17. Aha. Uh-huh.
1: Yes. Uh-huh. Aha. Yeah. <laughs> the fragrance <laughs> of womanhood began to arrive. Yes. yes.
2: So that's when I <laughs> start to notice her and try to uh, uh, be protective of her because a lot of guys want to come around her and they say, oh, I said, oh, if I don't make my move now, I'm, I may <laughs> lose her. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a fun journey to learn how God brings us together. And obviously he did bring you together and uh, rejoice in who you are and how God's blessed your union over all these years. You know, you two are uh, among the most loyal and patriotic Americans I know. And obviously with good reason. Would you just share with us a little bit about what America means to you?
0: Well, for me, America is home. I love America. I love everything about America. And it's the only country that ever gave me a citizenship. Um, we were mm. in Laos, in Thailand, but we didn't have any of those rights. Even wow. though we were born in Laos, uh, we were not considered totally a Laos citizen. So America is my home, my country. I love everything about it. The freedom, the people, Um this is home for
1: me. Amen. Yeah,
2: yeah. For me, uh, definitely, America is meant everything to us because uh, I remember, again, without <laughs> getting emotional too emotional, uh, I remember in the refugee camp in Thailand, our father, my father, called my brothers and myself, five of us together, to ask us where do we want to to live. Uh, to resettle our new life, because my dad has had a, an opportunity to go to France because of his work in, in in Vietnam. His boss was still living in France, asking him to go to France to, to work for him there. But but then my dad couldn't stand uh, leaving the rest of the Thai Dam people. You know, he he didn't want to be selfish just to because he had opportunity to go and he just, just to go by by ourselves. So he he asked us our uh, as children which country uh, do we want to go and of course my brother and my sister uh, two of my brothers and one my younger sister we all want to go to france because we study french in laos mm-hmm. but, but then my sister chanda she took some english class in Laos, but she hardly speak you know she couldn't speak english at well enough but she said she wanted to go to America. Only one person wanted to go to America, and the rest of us was want to go to France. And my dad said, okay, let's go to America. And I was, I was a little bit upset because majority didn't rule. And uh so I asked my dad, asked my dad, why you want to America? I said, Dad, you speak French fluently. You know, you go to America, you don't speak English, but why you want to go to America? And this is the word that I could anyway. <laughs> Uh, I never never forget my dad said "Uh, I'm tired of running running from communism and I want to go and die in a free country and America is the only country that will provide that for us and that's that's why when we came to America and uh, got our citizenship my dad was just like so happy. Yeah. And we're all so happy. You know, we, it's just belonging. And it's finally my dad felt at peace that he found the home. Amen. Yes. Wow. That's, That's beautiful. Yeah. America meant the whole,
1: the whole, whole lot to, to our family. That's beautiful. Uh, I wish every native-born American had the same appreciation as you do, frankly, Mike and Dara, for this nation. So I want to bring this back to what's happening right now. In the news, uh, with this new influx of refugees, you know, throughout our history, there have been waves of refugees that have left nations for whatever reason, and, and uh, many of whom have found United States, the United States to be that place of opportunity, and have come and made themselves to be a part of this nation and work very hard and uh, work their way to become citizens and um, get jobs, take care of their families, very honorable contributing members of uh, the United States. And um, I know that uh, you, you believe in honoring and respecting your culture, but we've talked about this before. You also have some advice to immigrants uh, regarding um, how they become Americans, what, what, how they should become Americans also while they're here, just not, just not citizenship papers. Uh, could you talk to us a little bit about what, what, you, what advice you would give to refugees or just immigrants coming to this country becoming a, an American? For me,
2: for me, uh, I'm old enough to remember our cultures, you know, the way of life in our, in, back in Laos. Uh, a lot of people have a mis, misconception about becoming American, you know. Uh, uh, becoming American doesn't mean that you lose your identity. Of who mm-hmm. you are and right. your culture, you know. But being American is to assimilate to the new, new way of life. Uh, to us, for me, especially, you know, we we are proud to be American in a mm-hmm. sense where the country gave us this opportunity uh, to to live our life freely, free thinking, think, free thinkers, and uh, do do what. Uh, it's right for for us and uh therefore uh, i would encourage and advise the new immigrants that just embrace american cultures embrace i mean there's a lot of good things american can offer Uh, and in the meantime we can still remain be be who you are your cultures and everything else you know but uh, we are living in this wonderful country of the world you know to us america is the best country in the world if we travel if anybody travel to a different country they may have different perspective but being in southeast asia yeah uh, we have not much right you know but america anybody come to this country you have the same right and that's mm-hmm. very hard to find
0: Yes, and,
1: and Dara, what would you add as advice to immigrants?
0: Uh, for me, um, America is the greatest country in the world and so many people would agree with that. And I think uh, that's why so many people in other nations wants to come here. And when we come here, I, I would say that uh, let's love this country because we pursue it. We come to it and obey the law. Uh, the 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 most wonderful part is that this country gives you every opportunity, but yet we have to learn to give back, learn to appreciate it for what America has given us. And if we learn to give back by uh, just do whatever, you know, the American law require us to do and help other people, I think uh, we will live here together peacefully.
1: Yeah, that's excellent. So, we, all right, so here, here are these two kids, their families come to the United States as refugees. Did not know Jesus, but found Jesus here. It's kind of a a reverse flow of a missionary uh, quest in that missionaries didn't go there. You came here, and it was here where you came to know the Lord. So now we have this, we anticipate a new influx of refugees coming in uh, from Afghanistan I, I would see this as another evangelism opportunity. I would think you would as well. What would be the best way for churches to minister to these latest uh, refugees? Should we open our hearts and arms to them? What what counsel would you give to churches today with everything that's going to be happening with this influx?
0: Um, when we first came to America, our sponsor, uh, the church the church people, I, we call them the church people, the church families uh, sponsor, help us. First of all, you know, when the refugee first comes, um, they may not need uh, you spiritually support, your spirit, uh, spirit support, but they need physical and emotional support. They need you to help them find food, shelters, get jobs, whatever. I think those are the things, is uh, uh, minor things that everybody could do. And then later on, spiritual things, there is always opportunity in activities that we do with them to witness to them in, uh, in our, in, 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 in my experience, in my family, there was a lady, they, they divide the church divide up people who would help us. There would be somebody who take us to grocery shopping to go apply for medicals and go see the doctors and all of that. See the uh, the dentist, you know, we have, when the refugees first come, they need to, to work on the dental because there's a lot of dental needs. And also there was a lady at the church who comes to my house every Thursday to teach the Bible. And she's still friends with the family today, even though my, my mom has passed away. But she have taught my parents so much and we saw them. And that's what uh, inspired me to, to believe in in the foreign, we thought you know God was foreign, but then God became my God because mm-hmm. I can see that through the people who come and work with us. And I would say the church should embrace the new influx of the refugees, uh, give them love, attention, physically, and also if there is opportunity, the church has that that opportunity to witness to them. There was a lady who helped the Asian refugees, and she said that her and her husband longing to become a missionary to go overseas to Asia, but they couldn't because of certain reasons. And then God brought the Asian tear to Iowa, and they were uh, able to work with them and have the opportunity to witness to them. And so many people come to believe because of this couple.
2: Isn't
1: that beautiful? A,
2: for me, yes. the, uh, the church had a great opportunity to reach out to the new refugees that may come to Iowa soon. Uh, one way, uh, for me, our family were not sponsored by church, by church and by any means, but because we want to learn English, that, that's why we went to church. So uh-huh. one way to reach out in evangelism, just if the church can just offer English class, mm-hmm. you yes. know, offer free English class, mm-hmm. the, these refugees would come and learn. And, mm-hmm. you know, then... Let uh, let God do the rest, and we just the church can just show love and respect. That's what happened to our family. You know, when our family attend uh, first church uh, in the morning, there were hundreds of refugees there at one time, and uh, uh, later on, uh, some moved away, and uh, with with another with uh, circumstances, many people left it. The church and my dad said no we're going to s- stick with first church at one time only our family at first were at first church uh, one time and then uh, we I thought I was going to learn English you know we didn't know what Sunday school class was all about as long as they speak in English we are okay you know <laughs> yes. and uh, so I think the church can you know do a simple thing offer English class that's the one, one way and through, through that Sunday school class, I learned to know, to come to know the truth, you know, about Jesus Christ. And as the Bible said, you know, and the truth
1: will set you free. Amen. Yes. Yeah. So really, it's not that complicated as what you're telling me. Love people, help meet their basic needs to begin yes. with. Everyone needs something. They need need a place to live. They need food to eat. They need clothes on their back. They need dental care, medical care, medical care. Just helping them find those things and employment, and then mm-hmm. as you build relationship and as you help them learn the language, what better way to learn the language than through yes. Bible? Yes, that's excellent. Yes. Great strategy yes. for churches, mm-hmm. and I hope we will have churches who will embrace that, recognizing that God is bringing the mission field here to us mm-hmm. as he did back in the late 70s and 80s with uh, the Rasavans yeah. and uh, just see what God's done in your lives. You know, Mike and Dara, we just truly do love and appreciate you uh, as uh, missionaries, as fellow believers, brothers and sisters, as friends. Uh, we have we hold you in the utmost respect. And I know uh, you, you, you've been back home during this season and you're going back now to Thailand very soon. And can we just talk about the practical aspects of going overseas as missionaries? Missionaries are dependent upon the faithful support of people who believe in them. And I know missionaries can always use more support. So how can people, let's first of all say, how can people pray for you? How would you want them to pray for you? And then how can they provide financial support for you?
0: You know, when we go back when, when God called us back to Southeast Asia, our family said, why are you going back to the place where you actually flee from? And there are still many spots that could be dangerous to our lives and our well-being as well. Um, but God has called us. And our main, uh, main thing is to go back and bring the light and the, the good news of Jesus Christ to the people of Southeast Asia. And another objective is to start the Open Bible Ministry in, in Southeast Asia and we have initiated that in Cambodia, but we felt that strategically, Thailand is the place where we will be a, uh, uh, have a base there as a launching path to minister and also to disciple, train leaders and send them out to their own people and their own generation. And we have a vision that uh, we would like to start a school and also a discipleship or leadership training center there. So when you pray for us, please pray that God will provide for us. And also uh, we would ask that you become a partner with us to launch this um, ministry, Open Bible Ministry in Southeast Asia, where we can win soul for Christ there. Uh, we know that people have been praying for us because the first two years of our uh, in the mission field was really rough. There were many times where we thought we should just pack up our bags and go home. But then um, we, we made it through tough through the first two years and the last two years God has opened so many doors for us beyond our expectations and God has really uh, broadened our vision and we are starting to see uh, the vision is coming through. He's giving us a God sized vision. If it was our own vision and we can do it with our own hands, it wouldn't it wouldn't happen. Yes. And we would need God, but this is God's reason. It's bigger than ourselves. We know that we couldn't do it by ourselves. For the last four years, we have Open Bible Family backing us up. We wouldn't be able to stay uh, in the field without your support and your prayer. There were so many times we just felt like we could go into a trap, but God delivered us. And we knew that Amen. you were praying. So prayer Amen. is the most important thing, and become a financial uh, supporter and and, uh, partner this is this is where it's gonna bring uh, the the vision come to life because god does not want to do anything alone he want to partner with us and he want us to partner with others as well and may this be a blessing to many of the open bible family and churches that we would have a ministry established in the next two years in thailand and also launching out to vietnam laos cambodia and also Myanmar. Thank you for your support.
1: Amen. Fields yeah, of so, Asia. That's yes. the vision, isn't it? Yes. yes. Our, our Southeast Yeah. We Asia. are so grateful
2: and thankful for everyone's prayer and support. Like Dara said, we wouldn't be able to to do alone. We we many times we want to give up, uh, struggle, but God said no. You you stay put. <laughs> yes. <laughs> stay put. But then mm-hmm. through prayer. Through prayer,
1: we were able to endure our, our difficulty. You, uh, you must have heard your dad's words ringing in your ears at the same time, Mike. We're not leaving. Yeah. We're yes. staying where God placed <laughs> us. That's
0: right. <laughs>
1: well, I'm looking on my computer even as we talk. And for all of our listeners today, if you will go to uh, www.openbible.org. That's openbible.org. If you click on mission, and you'll drill down and find a place for missionaries, and there is a picture of Mike and Dara Rasavan, says Thailand. You click there and you will be able to give to support them. Now that's with open Bible churches, but even if you're not a part of open Bible, this couple has been called to be serving God. And if you are not a part of open Bible, but something has just made you feel a connection with them today, uh, we invite you to uh, feel free also to give and make your tax deductible contribution and support of this couple. Uh, Mike and Dara, thanks so much for being who you are and for being with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you
0: so much, uh, President Randall. God bless you.
1: And we thank you, our listeners, for being with us today and uh, invite you to join us for the next edition of Better Roads.
0: You have been listening to Better Roads with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Join us next time as we explore how God is part of another person's journey.